This is Red Flags and Red Cards, a podcast about racing, soccer, and everything in between. Everyone, it has been, gosh, I don't know, two or three weeks since we have last seen you via the airwaves. <laughs> Welcome to Red Flags and Red Cards. My name is Nick. Alongside me is Josh. Josh, how is is your life going right now? <laughs> uh, it's it's going all right. It's been a uh, um, doesn't sound like my life's been as busy as yours, but it's still been uh, a pretty steady flow of tons of you know christmas stuff going on and um preparing for 2021 and also doing things we have to do just in a normal week to week so uh just a whole lot going on but it's all been pretty good how have you been uh good super busy uh we're going on a tour this weekend uh we've been rehearsing and like prepping this whole week and uh, we have rehearsal tomorrow so yeah we've got we've got three shows in the good old state of florida Hitting uh, Very nice. Gainesville, Tampa, and Fort Myers, so it should be fun. It's gonna be, we're going back to spring. It's gonna be like in the mid seventies. I'm actually gonna pack. Sh- <laughs> I'm gonna pack shorts. Why not? Uh, Absolutely. So yeah, it'll be fun. But uh, it's been a pretty busy racing world these past two weeks with Formula One. NASCAR obviously has been off, and um, so we got some stuff to talk about. We got some soccer to chat about. And uh, first off, we'll. Like always, we'll we'll start off with some NASCAR news. Uh, California has lost. I won't say lost. They've canceled their upcoming February race and will not be racing there again until 2022. We're already saying things like that. Yep, and which <laughs> sucks. But uh, in place of that, uh, NASCAR will do a doubleheader at Daytona again and. Uh, do the road course in place of the California race, and then they'll push back uh, Homestead one week, and they'll go to Homestead after that. And, uh, yeah, what are your takes on this? Does it make sense to you? Yeah, I mean, it was that was one of the, the things that I was slightly disappointed to see was the, the Daytona road course not being included on the, uh, the 2021 schedule. Um, just It was just going to be the clash. But so seeing that be the replacement, I think, makes sense Uh, as far as the the virus goes. You know, that late February, early March part of the season is still definitely in the flu season, which is also covid season, I guess. I mean, it's always covid season. It feels like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but it, it definitely is still part of that time where there's higher transmittedness. Or Trans- something, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's transmetality, it. yeah. That sounds like a terrible <laughs> um, band. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> but being so sticking around in Florida for basically four weeks, three and a half weeks between the the clash, uh-huh. qualifying Daytona 500, the Daytona road course, and then the Homestead race seems like a 
kind of smart way to handle things in my opinion yeah it may it totally makes sense and I'm, it's very cost effective for sure they're still going to be going out west after homestead they'll be uh a lot going to las vegas that race is still planned to be march 5th through the 7th so that will be uh really hopeful let's hope that's the only real change we'll be dealing with uh this upcoming season because the 2021 schedule looks so amazing and let's just hope that we don't have to alter it uh too badly or at all yeah Um, the only other like changes i could possibly see would be maybe depending on how things go obviously a Watkins Glen and a Sonoma could both yeah again be possible cuts um that would just kind of have to be re rearranged to a different race unfortunately losing both of those isn't as big of a deal when you have seven scheduled road course races also true it doesn't have the loss that it would have in the past and there's plenty of other options um I've heard mid-Ohio mentioned as another possible moving spot if another race is to get canceled or um, not able to work out as one of the the possible tracks so it could just be a, a year of a lot of road course racing which from my understanding works with what nascar thinks this car does best i think the way the package is now they'd they'd prefer the racing to be on road courses mm-hmm. than anywhere else because it it just kind of works with this car for the, for the last year of the car of whatever this is a car of yesteryear (laughs) yesteryear (laughs) uh yeah or we could just you know anytime there's a you know they had to move the schedule around they just go straight to martinsville it's just the default awesome i would love that her going to martinsville for the seventh time this year Okay, you'd get seven different races if you did that. That'd be amazing. You know? Yeah, oh, you totally would. With whatever time of the year it is, you know, you know what cars you're gonna bring, all the things. Right, like seven go. different road courses. You're gonna get seven Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Juniors. Yes, finishing one two. Yes, but but if it was Martinsville, say, what year is it? So like Martinsville, like ten, twelve years ago. You're guaranteed to get Jimmy Johnson or Denny Hamlin to win every single time. Right, right. So it's just right now, Martinsville's got a bit more open up in the airness to it. Then um, we're just going to keep making up words tonight. Yep. Up in the airness. Up in the airness. <laughs> right in a dictionary. It. It's called the Red Flags Red Cards Dictionary. <laughs> it's about one page. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, speaking of short tracks, Formula One. Uh, experienced their own version of a short track uh, this past weekend. It's the Outer Rim, as it were, for all the Star Wars fans, kind of the Outer Rim. Or is that, is that right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, of, of the Bahrain International Circuit. And to tell you how short it is, it for qualifying, it was sub 54 seconds to do a lap. For the race, you were at, I think they were the fastest time ended up being somewhere in the fifty-six second range. So under I a minute. I think it was a I think it was a fifty-five oh three. Was it fifty-five oh three? Okay. I think oh, so. right there at the end. Yeah. That makes sense. Poor guy. Uh <laughs> wow. What what a race and what what a weekend. So to 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 start Bahrain, we really need to go back two weeks to um when they did the normal circuit. Uh, two weeks ago, and that is when Romain Grosjean, at a turn three, uh, 
this is a short version of the story, goes across the track, clips uh, Daniel Kvyat, and goes head on into the they call it the um, like the Armco uh, barrier. It's basically like what you would see on a highway. Um, the like the the steel wall and for formula one wall it's like four it's like four stacked on each other and he basically split that in the middle and was saved by the halo uh if there was no halo i don't think we'd have roman grosjean to alive today um i i don't think his head would be attached to the rest of his body no absolutely there's like no way like when they showed the photo like as soon as it happened i was like where's his car like you saw the back of it but you're like where's the front and someone pointed out it may have been uh, martin brundle or um uh crofty he might like they said like the back of it looked like it was cut by a laser it was like this mm-hmm. perfect cut in the back and it was the we have not seen a wreck like this with like a fireball explosion in years in Formula One, they've made these cars so safe, and the the um, fuselage is like are are in the, where they're located in the car is protected by just tons of carbon fiber and and just like it's just like the center of the car basically, so it's very protected, very centralized, and not exposed at all. So for this to happen, it ugh, it was amazing. Grosjean was in the flames for twenty eight seconds. Mm-hmm. That's a long time. His uh, his shield melted. His uh, I believe his left boot came off, and so he burned his left foot a little bit. He burned both his hands, but uh, it was it was so scary. I mean, uh, I watched it on the replay of the race because I haven't been able to watch a live race in quite a few weeks, and no one texted me because I told everyone not to text me, and they were, all I heard from people were just like you know. It's insane. It's insane, but no one said anything bad. So I was like, okay, this is an insane race. That's good. That's great. And then opening lap, absolute carnage and explosions. Like, did you, were you able to watch it in, in its entirety? The Not break. the whole race, but I, I watched that that start, and it was. I've never seen anything quite like that. There's been a few NASCAR wrecks that we've seen that have been really bad where the cars kind of destroyed. Like I think of, I think it was Mike Harmon in maybe the mid nineties where you were cars were coming by and they could, you could see him like the car. It was just the roll cage. It was completely exposed. Oh yeah. Um, and there's, you know, one or two other wrecks that there's been quite on that, like quite a lot of damage, but to see the car, the way it was, like you said, just sheared completely in half and the amount of fire and even like the in the rail itself, the you could kind of see the outline of the car as mm-hmm. it passed through because it the top part of the rail was still intact. Yeah. As We're- the car had gone underneath it. And so it is it's one of the like if if you would have told me that ryan newman surviving wouldn't have been the most miraculous survival of the year i wouldn't have believed you but yet here we have grosjean who like it's absolutely miraculous that he was also able to to walk out of the hospital just a few days later with just really some terrible burns and i think a couple of ribs injured i believe yeah some cracked ribs yeah i think he has a few cracked ribs in there um yeah so he will unfortunately will not be 
that was essentially his last Formula One race. Uh, he will mm-hmm. he was not able to race the Secure Grand Prix, nor was he able to race uh, as he will be um, in um, Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi, jeez, can't get those names straight. It's like they're, they're <laughs> all so similar. I'm like, wait, hey, right? So he will not be there, uh, which is really unfortunate because he got out of the hospital so fast. And I thought surely he's going to he'll be at Abu Dhabi, but he won't. And he he said he's you know he's really saddened by that but for the goodness of his health and goodness of just of just playing it smart i think that's just the uh, it is a good decision for him as much as i hate seeing a driver in their career like that um what was really cool though um if you go back to formula one's instagram page there's a whole video series i believe jeff gluck even retweeted a bunch of it um of grosjean just going back to the track because basically formula one lived there for a solid two and a half weeks uh, because they never had to leave <clears throat> and mm-hmm. so there was personnel always at the track so he went and greeted the team i want to say it was wednesday uh following the wreck and he's just welcomed by hugs and like just emotion and handshakes and just thankfulness and i literally my ear my ears my eyes welted up i was like ah this is so emotional right now you really shouldn't be here this ah it's just just props to the medical staff the stewards the the uh, marshals there was a one of the firefighters who ran across the track to uh with a fire extinguisher to put out the the blaze got promoted that was really cool um, because of it. And um, it's just a super emotional t- video of, of all the handshakes and whatnot. And you could, uh, Grosjean was just so thankful, obviously. And just the speed at which the, A, the car went through the wall. Like, I think it was 100, it came out to about 140 miles an hour at, I want to say, I think they said 50 Gs. So I think that's what he said. He said 50 Gs. It was a lot. It would, I could be over exaggerating, but I know it was a lot, um, <clears throat> and just the the sheer force and the the quick response from all the medical was just unreal. Um, mm-hmm. There's a reason why that medical car follows the follows the uh, cars on the first lap for stuff like that, so they can tend to any any drivers like this situation. So, yeah, such super bummer he's not yeah. going to be there. <clears throat> And it, it also just comes back again to, to talk about the, the brilliance of the halo oh, that was hands down. built. Um, and it's that's just something that can't – I know it's been around a few years and we've, we've talked about it several times, but it can't be underscored how important that was to him, mm-hmm. him being okay, as well as Lance Stroll later on in the race. Yeah, like literally um, like a, a lap later, like once they got back yeah. under green. <laughs> Yeah, it tipped over, and I was like, "All right, that's two for two with the halo today." Right. <laughs> so, which that's something you don't see very often either. Is like a car flipped over in F one, or at mm-hmm. least I haven't seen it necessarily as as often as some others. So, you had uh, two two crazy things. It was really interesting after the race because they were interviewing Lewis Hamilton. He was like, "Yeah, it was kind of a a really like uneventful race." I was like, well, maybe for you up front, yeah, for everybody watching, it was, was not a very memorable one for yeah. not the greatest of reasons. <laughs> Those incident um, incidents, yeah, that uh, they really just put a whole shadow on the whole race. So, like after 
after Grosjean, after they got back to green, and then after Stroll tipped over, after that, I kind of just I watched the race, but I kind of felt like I was just staring at the TV. Like, I really mm-hmm. wasn't engaged because I was just so enthralled by what just happened that it's like, all right, Lewis has the lead. Great. Cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. Whatever. But uh, there was one thing I wanted to add, but I don't remember. So, he wins the, uh, Hamilton wins that race. And then I believe Monday rolls around, and da 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 da, Lewis Hamilton tests positive for COVID, and everyone's freaking out. Like, who's gonna take his place? Who's gonna take his place? A, secretly, ninety nine percent of the F one community is excited that he's not gonna race, and I know that <laughs> sounds really bad because, you, joking aside, the 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 the. COVID is bad. We know that COVID is bad and it affects everyone differently. So you don't want anyone to have it. But the fact that you know Lewis will not be dominating the next race brings so much joy, even to the commentators, I believe. I could tell in there. <laughs> there was just an aura of the whole weekend that he wasn't there that it just was like, oh, this is going to be such a great weekend. And that sounds terrible. I hate saying that I'm not knocking on Lewis at all. It's just how I felt for the whole week. So, all that to say, Lewis is out. Everyone's thinking Stoffel Van Dorn, the reserve driver for Mercedes, is going to replace him, and he doesn't. And <laughs> Toto Wolf, the boss over at Mercedes, calls George Russell while he's on the toilet. <laughs> he says he said <laughs> around like 2 a.m. and uh, called him up for the ride. And George Russell took over... Uh, Hamilton's seat and wow so before uh we get into the race a little bit um kind of give some of the background of George Russell who he is yeah yeah so 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 George Russell races currently full-time for Williams and uh Williams is a the bottom of the table team they always run 19th and 20th generally um I'll put in perspective the points paying positions are one through ten. Russell has never gotten a points paying position in the few years, two or three years he's been with Williams. He's a fantastic race car driver. He's got a F two championship. I think he's got some F three championships in there. He did. He was a super brilliant driver in F two, and then when he was caught up to F one, got to Williams, and then really hasn't done much since then. Now the fact that he was able to go to Mercedes is a whole other thing because. Normally you're like, well, how can you go just hop from one team to another? Well, the way that F1 works is that you have your factory team, Mercedes, and then you have your other teams that are supplied, basically engines are supplied to them. So Williams, their engines are supplied by Mercedes, not the same fantastic ones as are ran with Hamilton and Botas, but they still have Mercedes engines. Therefore, they're affiliated, therefore, Russell was able to race uh, and be called into uh, Hamilton's ride. Does that explain it a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my dad so, asked me that exact question. He was like, how does Russell get in that car? He has a ride. Like, well, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we've seen kind of some elements of this happen in NASCAR. Um, I think of when Kyle Busch got hurt and David Reagan moved from um, the – front row over to race for Gibbs for a while. But with that, he had to be let out of his contract with furniture row, 
no front row. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, and to to go with Gibbs, and so occasionally there may be something in NASCAR where there's like a driver leaves and comes back, but generally with that, it, it was a a whole shift that had to happen with Reagan of terminating the contract and moving over to Gibbs for those eight races or whatever it was. And then I think Eric Jones came in for one or two races before Kyle came back in and ultimately went on to, to win the championship. And um, I, that happened again with Reagan as well, where he kind of filled in in Michael Waltrip racing for the end of that season and kind of bounced around. But it was because of there had to be the severing of a contract that happened. But I guess this would be more like if something happened to um say uh i i can't even think of an example right now <laughs> that's how kind of rare would it would be it'd almost be like when uh if germane racing was tied to gibbs a little bit and so say denny hamlin was injured for a few weeks and they called up ty Dillon to come race for him for a few weeks and then once denny was back ty went back to germane racing which is now defunct and isn't a team anymore. But (laughs) that would kind of be the analogy. But you don't see that happen, really. Usually it's a severing of a contract and a re-signing somewhere else. Um, So, so yeah, I will admit, like, even for me, I really wanted to see this race because it was had, like you said, elements of a short track. It was going to be really fast. It was kind of – there was an element of curiosity to see how much does Lewis destroy the field by – but then yes. once Lewis wasn't in the race, it went from being something that it's like, oh, I need to try and remember to watch this to, oh, I'm setting up my schedule so that at some point Sunday I'm sitting down and watching this race and I'm pulling a Nick Williamson and avoiding spoilers. Oh, dude. <laughs> throughout e- the day. Every uh, either Saturday night or Sunday morning of, uh, of race weekend, I turn off Twitter notifications, ESPN notifications, F1 and um, F1 app notifications. And then I text, you know, us five people don't talk to me until <laughs> they, and at this point they're all like, yeah, we know, like we'll, we'll hear from you. Like you call us, we won't call you. Right. Uh, and that's just kind of where I'm at with it. And it's been, it's been working out really well. Um, so this, oh my gosh, this race was stupid. Like, 87 laps 87 laps i mean it's still an hour and a half which is your general average time of a f1 race but the thought of 87 laps from the beginning i was like whoa this is gonna be a lot and um it's interesting you're saying you know we were kind of seeing if if lewis had raced this race how much would he have lapped the field everyone was thinking that there was going to be at least a few cars like half the field one two even three laps down which we did not see that according to these statistics we had well because of the late race caution safety car everyone was on the lead lap so that's fun yeah and even before then i think it was just it was like one lap four cars that were a lap down yeah it wasn't bad at all so it wasn't a lot yeah so uh it was oh man to start the race um Two favorites that I was expecting to be easily at least one of them in the po- on the podium spot, and I thought the other one would be maybe as well was Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen. Just wreck! Added it was the it was such an odd wreck. It was like I think I this is bad. This is bad recapping, but 
Charles basically went into the corner too hot, and Sergio Perez didn't give too much room. Therefore, Max had to go around it all. He went way too wide, and he went wide too fast, in my opinion, and ended up in the gravel and therefore into the barrier and collected. And Charles kind of they are Charles and him were collected together and both were out simultaneously, and uh, that ended their day. And therefore, you had, and all the while, George Russell started second, quickly passed Botas, and was on like a two or three second lead, almost instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I was like, all right, he's gonna run away with this. This is great. And that was not the case at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was interesting because I I tend to pull for Verstappen. Um, and he's kind of the thing that got me on board with him was watching him at Monaco a few years ago and just the moves he was making, just like living, you know, this element of recklessness, which he's been crit- criticized for over the years. And in this race where it felt like a race for the taking for him, you saw the opposite in those first four corners of trying to show patience. You know, there was Valtteri kind of squeezed him a little bit and he backed off and then Valtteri got super loose coming out of I think four and again he he backed off which allowed going into the next corner he backed out again knowing Leclerc was there and was just going to let him go and so in his attempt to be super careful tiptoe through the first few corners he ended up putting himself in a terrible position and wrecked out and then Perez who was had a great they were talking about how he has he's going to have some of the best straight line speed out of anybody in the field even rivaling the mercedes guys was he was you know first corner he's spun out and having to pit and going to the rear of the field restarting 18th so you have all this drama unfolding and like you said george russell is is showing that he's he can drive Oh, he can he can totally drive. And to really recap this thing, he had the win for sure. And then uh, pit stops happened. Was it they double stacked Mercedes on lap 63, which normally this works out really well where one guy comes in, they change his tires. They've got the other car's tires right next to him. He comes in behind the first car. They change those. They're out. It literally all unfolds within 10 seconds. And this time they put on on George's car, they put on Valtteri's tires. And then when Valtteri was behind him to pit, they put on they put on Valtteri's tires, but they're an old set of tires or something. Yeah, they were. Wasn't that right? I can't remember if they put on Valtteri Valtteri's tires on Russell or if they put half of his tires on and half of Russell's on. It was something like that, and he pulled away, and they had trouble on the left front with that. Yep. But he kind of pulled away, and then the left front tire changer realized something was wrong, and so they just put Valtteri's old tires that he they had just taken off. They immediately put them right back on. So the tires he were on was the hard set that he'd just run 28 laps on. Oh, shoot. And so, so he was still on those hard tires, and then Russell had either Valtteri's tires on or a combination of the tires on. And because of that, he had to come back in and pit. And so what you had was a scenario where Valtteri's out there in fourth for the restart. He's going to be in fourth and Russell's now going to restart fifth. 
with Perez, who made some great moves to drive all the way through the field. Yeah. A few few spots were gained through some through some bad pit strategy, but for the most part, he just wheeled his way around, especially around Stroll and Ocon to get into that third place and to be there when um, all their pit stops happened to come out in the lead. So you had that as the restart with um, Perez, Ocon, Stroll, and then Valtteri and Russell with, I don't know, 15 to go. Something like that. And then, well, yeah, because George had, well, George came back in to get the correct tires. Therefore that put him out of the points and then I think, or, well, that or was, was that, later. That was later. Sorry, I'm getting it all mixed yeah, up. Yeah, so You're right, he, yeah. He, he would have been first, but because he had to come down for the tires and go back out, he came out That's, fifth. You're right. Okay. Yeah. And then he like quickly plowed through those. Yeah, guys. he got up to second in no time. Right. And then you heard something come over the radio. He heard Bondo come over the radio. Uh, left front puncture, left or left rear puncture, left rear puncture, and everyone thought it was Valtteri. <laughs> and then Dave Crofty is like, oh, "That was George, George Russell." <laughs> and Martin Brundles is like, "Oh no, Mercedes!" <laughs> <laughs> it was so like, I love those guys because they're just they're cheering. They they cheer for George for sure, but they but they're. They're unashamed, unashamed, unashamedly bi- uh, biased, but like not in a negative way. Like they just cheer for drivers who deserve to be cheered for and mm-hmm. like excited for it. That's just the vibe I get from them. Like the fact that when uh, Sergio won the race, both of them were crying. Mm-hmm. Dick Crawford's like, oh, I got a little something, Ma. I got a little tears, Ma. <laughs> <laughs> um, all that to, and so yeah, all that happens with with George and George just comes over the radio, just going ah, <laughs> and that puts him back in the back and ultimately uh, finishes the race ninth. He got his first race with points paying position plus the fastest lap of the race, mm-hmm. which had he been in in his Williams car and finishing ninth, that that in and of itself would have been truly amazing. But the fact that his race went so up and down, and he, he only comes home with ninth. It's like, cool, I got three points, but for what? Like, it's almost like not the a good silver lining at all. Yeah, it uh, it definitely, it definitely made the race awesome to watch. Oh, all hands down, it Mercedes yeah. is our humans. That's what it is. Yeah, <clears throat> and it uh, there is a part of me that feels robbed because we could have had a Perez versus uh, Russell. Yes. battle with probably five to go but honestly i don't think it would have been much of a battle because of how fast russell was he and was his, so fast he was on the fresh tires as well where perez was on um tires that he had a lot more laps on um, yeah i think well over 30 laps by that point so it probably wouldn't have been much of a battle but so there, in a sense we're kind of robbed of that but still getting to watch him run from 15th or 16th up to, to 9th was was entertaining and it was just I all the whole race was just fun to watch there's one moment where they were saying you almost had the issue it was like I think it was between 7th and 12th everybody was in DRS zone for the car in front of them yep dude that was <laughs> so awesome when they would show that long camera shot from turn 1 down the front stretch it's just like they're all close together and you're like all mm-hmm. their all the wings are open. 
Like they're all in DRS. <laughs> it was so good. I was like, oh my gosh, the 2022 car is going to be amazing because that's the racing that car is supposed to provide. So mm-hmm. this was kind of a taste of that. And this, I mean, the um, between Sergio and Ocon, first and second, is 10 and a half seconds. But then you look after that, Ocon to Stroll was 1.3 seconds, and then uh, Stroll to Science was under a second. And then it's like, so from. Ocon down to Gasly in 11th was 10 seconds. That's incredibly That's close. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. That does not happen. Yeah. Um, so I hope we just get more of this. It's just so good. <laughs> yeah. Lots of lots of passing, lots of great passing throughout. Oh, so just, much. Yeah. It was just fun to see you had that ability for Perez to drive through the field because so there was a part of me that was worried. I was like, are they all just going to be super fast? And because of that, like it's just the line of cars, but no, it was great racing all throughout. And, and then comes down to you, uh, the huge day for racing point with having first and third. Oh, so good. I mean, those guys, (laughs) those Omar, the team principal, he deserves, he deserves that. I mean, especially the, the week prior, where you had Stroll on, you know, flipped upside down, and then with three laps to go, Perez blows a motor, sort of, uh, blows the turbo, I think, when the uh, Bahrain race won. And he was supposed to have a, uh, he was going to finish third, be on the podium. So to have that weekend, uh, you know, end terribly, and then have this weekend end magnificently, uh, it was uh, something they definitely deserved. Racing Point has been patient. They've, uh, if you know the story of Racing Point and what it used to be, Force India and the drama behind Force India, and what they've become now, and the next year they become Aston Martin Racing, uh, it's going to be—they're going to be, gonna be uh, hard to hard to fight with. They've got Mercedes; they have, basically have the Mercedes of last year. That's the car they're running, which is why they've been so fast, whether they admit that or not. <laughs> um, <laughs> But the real unfortunate thing is, is that Sergio has been very consistent this year. He's been consistent throughout his whole career. Uh, but he lost his ride with Racing Point going into next year. Uh, Vettel will be taking his place. So he's without a ride right now. And the one open seat, or essentially open, is uh, the Red Bull spot where Alex Albon sits right now. And no one knows what's going to happen. And I like Albon. I like him a lot. Uh, if you know me, you know, and Josh, you know this, like I, I prefer your personalities more than how you how well you are on the track overall. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you could win a bunch of races. I'm not going to like you if you're not cool. But Albon's like a really cool kid, but he's just not getting the results he needs. And I'm just like, ah, I like Sergio and he's been very consistent this year. If you put him in a Red Bull, he's going to be getting podiums like crazy next year. You're going to have an amazing team of him and Max. Um, so I'd really like to see him in that car and I, and I hate it for Albon, but I don't feel like his career in F1 is quite over. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So, I mean, I, I'm not as up on the, the politics behind formula one, um, but I was interested in reading it cause there had been rumors of Sergio Perez ending up in IndyCar for a year. Um, which uh. I think is kind of being shut down now. Uh, there's just this there's too much risk involved where now he's even if he doesn't necessarily get a ride next year he's pretty well set to get a ride 
in 2022 if something opens. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was interesting reading some of the just the personality and the politics behind it, where there's one of the reasons that it's being rumored that Perez isn't with going to be going towards Red Bull is because um, they they like having Verstappen not really having close competition because he doesn't handle that as well is one of the rumors. Um, some of the, the history he had with, uh, with Danny Rick is kind of something point people point to another thing that somebody brought sense. up was, it was that, um, Red Bull just likes to build, to promote from within and they're all about their development system and they don't really want to worry about, bringing somebody in there is the reality that Alex Albon is 24 years old where Sergio Perez is 30 about he'll be 31 next season and there is just you know that age difference for for potential so those are some of the things that I just could see being um some of the reasons why why they stick around with Albon or at least those are things other people that follow Formula One more closely than I and the politics behind it all I have kind of said is some of the reasoning, um, but it's still absolutely incredible for Perez. He his 190th start gets his first win, mm-hmm. which beat Mark Webber as the record. Who Mark Webber got his first win in his 130th start, and wow. uh, Perez shattered that by 60, 60 races. So that's so. roughly three, four years. Three or four years. Yeah, <laughs> during that <period>. that's amazing. <laughs> wow. Yeah, what a stat. Uh, so that was Bahrain. Uh, we had a guy go through a wall, catch on fire, live to tell the tale. Had a guy. Uh, also, real quick on Roman, the halo was barely destroyed, if at all. That, That's incredible. Uh, if you go look at photos, that thing is very much still intact, to a degree at least. Mm-hmm. Um, it did. It, wow. It just completely did his job. So, yeah. So we have a man who lived to tell, to tell the tale. We had a guy flip over. And then we had a guy win his first race after 190 races. Yep. And the guy that flipped over podiumed in the next race. Right. <laughs> and all the while, a guy got tested positive for COVID and didn't race. And it seemed to be a much better race because of it, which is so yes. bad to say. I'm sorry, Lewis. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, who's to say? Maybe his team would have lost their mind had Lewis been in the race, too, but probably not. I was, I <laughs> did have that thought. Like, had his team messed up with him in that car doing all that, I can't imagine what that post-race team talk would have been like. I mean, I'm sure mm-hmm. it was bad already, but he would have been furious. But This this race especially made me miss having the, the podium room. Oh, I love the podium. I love that room. It's the most awkward 30 seconds of your life. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. It would have been, it would have been great having, you know, two first time podium guys. Oh yeah. A first time winner all in there and just kind of the, the celebration behind it. It would have been, would have been amazing, but yeah, yeah, two um, pink cars and a yellow car up there. (laughs) (laughs) The pink Panthers as they're called. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one last, one last note in formula one, uh, Haas, Haas is the, uh, American, uh, sole American team in Formula One. They announced their two new drivers for next year. Nikita Mazepin and Mick Schumacher will be piloting both of those cars. If you follow Formula Two at all, uh, you know these guys are absolutely fantastic. Mick is the son of Michael Schumacher, and Nikita Mazepin is a um, 
just an amazing driver out of Russia. Um, and he's been really impressive. If you follow F2 at all, you know what I'm talking about. It's he's, They're both so fun to watch. F2 is incredible to watch. If you, if you want to pay anywhere from 55 to 70 bucks for a year of F1 TV, you will have access to F2 races. And they are a joy to watch, especially after you watch qualifying on Saturday and still need some sort of open-wheel racing. The F2 race usually follows that and that's how my saturday mornings are spent if you were ever wondering um, um definitely hop into that <laughs> one other cool note um it was uh pietro fittipaldi that replaced yeah um who is the first american-born driver in a while he's tech he's brazilian american you know grew up in brazil but he was born in america yep and so first time an american driver has been in f1 um in a long time which is is exciting even though it's it's you know he he's more Brazilian I think yeah was he born yeah. in Miami and then he moved to Brazil yes okay yeah, yeah. so yeah it's super cool yeah which is awesome so wow look at us we just talked to F one for a solid thirty minutes <laughs> and it, I had so much fun watching that race oh man like so good so much fun and it's it was the first F one race I got to sit down and watch start to finish and it was just a blast so if you haven't watched F one um, you probably stopped listening to us, but if you yeah. haven't watched F1 <laughs> and listened through all this, there's one more race. So, um, we encourage you to watch it, get involved. And it's another it. night it's, race. It's fun. Yeah. Night races are awesome. Cool. My, uh, quick note before we move on my buddy, Joel Coleman, shout out to Joel Coleman. He, uh, he, he's a photographer at Liberty university where Josh and I went to school. He's been around NASCAR for the past few years with William Byron uh, taking f- his photos and going to the track and taking photos of him and promo stuff and all that. So he's gotten into Formula One and he just keeps texting me all kinds of things. <laughs> he goes, are races normally this length? I was like, uh-huh, about an hour and a half, uh, usually no more than two hours. I said, it's much shorter than a NASCAR race. He follows that up <laughs> with, ah, that's why I like it so much. <laughs> I was like, yes. yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty normal. That's why you can... You can tune in, you know, at nine o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, and you're done by noon or earlier. For <laughs> those of us who don't work in church, <laughs> right, right. So, all right, moving on. Well, let's go on to our our play on yellow card, red card segment. Um, at this part, I will throw some things out there, some statements, and uh, if Nick likes it, he'll give it a play on. If he uh, is conflicted he'll give it a yellow card and if he does not agree does not like it he will give it a red card um and i think i've got it set up where we might have a few red cards this week which is rare for this <laughs> so steven nass was disqualified for aggressive driving from the snowflake 100 red card please those of you listening type in snowflake 100 2020 for the last lap or go to matt weaver's twitter it's on there too this is a classic bump and run that we love to see if if, i don't think there's any nascar short track racing fan that doesn't want to see this taps him in the back spins bubba pollard easily could have saved that car that looked so forced i don't know uh and he got disqualified for it and why 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 yeah it really did look like what happened is Bubba Pollard was trying to get back to his quarter panel and missed. Oh, from kind of, good call. That's, that's just kind of how I, I see it. Uh, the stewards said they looked at the onboard and that he 
didn't have never regained control of the car and spun around and so therefore they they said it was aggressive driving but i i'm thinking that maybe he was angry at steven nass who has a a bit of a um i feel like he's known for being a bit more aggressive Mm -hmm. in the the short flack short short flack (laughs) that's another new word (laughs) in the uh (laughs) in the short track world but he's he's a great driver uh was won the uh, snowball 300 uh, last year before getting disqualified for having chrome parts on the the car and apparently that's not allowed either. oh i remember that it was yeah and so he uh but as as somebody saw said i think it was on twitter they said wow the officials really put the snowflake in the snowflake 100 oh <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> wow i give him a hand clap that's fantastic yes indeed it, all right um yeah, yeah it's it's rough uh, but then uh ty majeski won the won the snowball derby uh he was not disqualified which is rare um somebody i don't whose name i don't remember finished second and chase elliott came home third so after qualifying in the lcq yeah that's amazing mm-hmm <laughs> So, um, one of that's really the last big American racing event of the year until, um, and so the next big thing is the, uh, the chili bowl in early January, Holla. uh, or actually maybe chili bowls around the, as I think the same week as the 24 hours of Daytona. So it kind of gets going with some good racing stuff going on there in the next few weeks. But, um, but yeah, so next one. George Russell still has a bit more to prove to show until he's ready to be in one of the top rides. Uh, play on. I think he's got to hone in on closing closing the deal. Like, just, just wrapping it up. Granted, this past weekend really wasn't his fault, so he very well could have done that. Just in the past, there's been times where he's got a good finish on the horizon and there's something that just screws him up on his yeah i'm also curious as to how he does on different tracks in in a good ride i kind of hope he gets to you know obviously you want lewis to recover quick but it would be neat to see him in in the car for abu dhabi which is a bit you know especially as you get to some of the more technical tracks and things like that and see see how he did but i guess you got to be put in a good ride to see how you do in those rides right Um, but yeah all right um so last episode if you listen to us we spent i spent a lot of time laughing about the nfc east uh since then the giants and reds washington football team (laughs) (laughs) have have proven themselves to uh be on a bit of a hot streak and so whichever one of those teams ends up being the winner of the nfc east will actually be a threat in the playoffs uh, Not necessarily to go to the Super Bowl, but, you know, win a game or so. But, like, win a game or so. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, anything can happen. Yeah. You know, I'd I, I play on with that. I mean, they, I mean, the Washington Red Jerseys just beat uh, <laughs> Pittsburgh. Yep. So. Which, just take a moment to talk about Alex Smith with possibly the greatest comeback in, like, sports history. <laughs> it's arguably. I mean... He almost died. Yeah, from he his really injury. did. He really did. From like, he he broke he broke his leg, right? Was it his yes. leg? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. then he almost then he had like basically like a terrible 
staph infection. Mm-hmm. And that they that, couldn't get to go away. Right. And basically almost died from that. And then, hey, I'm back. And now I've won three straight. Two straight? Three straight. Three straight. No, three straight. <laughs> three three straight, yeah. 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 I love that. And so he's absolutely going to be comeback player of the year in the NFL. Um, and just it's just an awesome story. I was listening earlier. They were, they were talking with Trey Wingo on the local sports station here. And they're saying that they actually, in trying to help with treatment for him, were looking at like people like war injuries and just like people who have stepped on like IUD, IUDs and things like that to to try and figure out how to how to help heal his his leg and there's moments where they considered amputation oh, um, there's moments no. where they thought he might he might even pass away and so the fact that he's won three straight um I'm I'm kind of I'm now on board with Washington winning the NFC East. I'm, I am actively pulling for that to happen. Because wow, look at you. I've always liked Alex Smith, but just the, the story behind it is just fantastic. Yeah. Um, and so final play on yellow card, red card is uh, the NHL is now targeting, and it looks pretty likely, a 56-game regular season beginning January 13th. Uh, but with that, up to six, between four and six NHL teams are currently exploring the possibility of playing all of their home games at an outdoor football or baseball stadium so that they could have fans in attendance. Play on because the Preds are one of those teams. <laughs> That's right, they are. <laughs> so I don't care how bad the view is. If, I, if my butt is in Nissan Stadium watching the Preds play, Lulu and I are going. That's mm-hmm. then and and yes, I'm all for it. I think it's going to be great. Out of all cities, too, Nashville, weird. Yeah, I think Nashville, Pittsburgh, L.A. Um, what were the other ones? Uh, There's I can't remember. One or two others. Dallas, I think, was I one. Dallas, yep. Um, even I think I'd heard rumors that Carolina was was considering. Carolina, I heard the owner is would consider buying his own ice system to have the games at nc state's football stadium wow so it would uh you know just uh, just to do whatever they can to get fans in attendance because it doesn't sound like for most places they're going to be able to have any fans indoors especially earlier in the season right and uh so if you can do it outdoors you know nc state's having a thousand a thousand fans at, at, at a game and apparently if you if you hold a drink, you don't have to wear a mask. But if you if you Sounds are holding right. a drink and you take your mask down for a second, you could get kicked out of the game. Uh, I know somebody that got, kicked, got thrown out of the game. No, uh, against the the Liberty NC State game. Yeah, he was just he just like he was sitting next to he's like yeah I'm sitting next to my friend, and just a few times like in conversation they just kind of like pull it down and you you just like forget about it like wrap around your chin or something like yeah. that. And he's like you know there's there's nobody twenty feet in either direction of us and i got asked like twice if to put it back on i was like oh yeah sorry and then like a third time police came and escorted him out and told what? Him that he was banned from nc state football games for a year and his friend was like i mean there's like a hundred college kids over here all standing right next to each other not wearing masks but they're all holding a beer so no i guess they're allowed <laughs> Oh, the inconsistencies. Oh, that gets it's, me so mad. That's um, It's frustrating. Oh, poor dude. 
but uh, but it's okay because you know it, the Liberty NC State football game was one of the worst football. Oh, games it was trash! I couldn't it watch so it. I kept I would turn it on like okay, all right, let's get this drive, let's go, and nothing happened. I was like, <laughs> right. and we're gonna lose by one. This is cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, ending on a blocked field goal hurt. But, yeah. yeah, I agree. Um, if uh, whatever he can to get fans in, the NHL is all, especially one of those leagues that relies a little bit on gate revenue to help. So um, whatever you can do. But very excited to have hockey back in a few weeks. NBA starts in two weeks, three weeks. Uh, they right start before, three right days after Christmas. Uh, I think two, oh, wow. Wow. I think three. Yeah. I think three days before Christmas. I think so, too, because that that Christmas day slot for nba games oh it's so huge. good yeah so they're so, december 22nd yep that's when they're starting yeah okay okay yeah the hornets begin on the 23rd which will be interesting because they've assembled a team that might be okay or might not be i don't know <laughs> ask, we'll, ask we'll mr find. jordan yeah <laughs> i don't know if i trust him with uh <laughs> with basketball <laughs> yeah. when it comes to putting together a team um anyway but yeah, that's it for our play on yellow card, red card. Um, shall we move on to uh, a little bit of soccer talk here before wrapping things up? Did you watch that game last night? Minnesota and Seattle. The Seattle comeback? Yeah. Oh, I feel so bad for Minnesota. Oh, me too, dude. We were, Lou, Lou, Lou and I were, wa- yes, we were both watching it, sort of. It was more so me. Um, I was going back between that and Ridiculousness on MTV. Shout out to Rob Dudick. That show is amazing. I never get tired of it. Steeler Brim's one of my favorite people. Um, and so we're watching, I'm like, all right, it's one nothing. Minnesota, there's like, I want to say there's around 30 minutes to go in the game. I was like, all right, well, nothing, something could happen. And then, excuse me, in the 67th minute, Minnesota goes up to nothing. I was like, okay, surely hold on for 20, 23 minutes. You got this. You're going to be fine. We switched back to ridiculousness for a little bit. I switched back to the game, and all of a sudden it's two to one. I was like, oh, okay, we're doing something. Watched it for a little bit longer. Switch, uh, go back to ridiculousness, watch that for a little bit, come back about 15 minutes later, and it's two to two. And I was like, oh, stop, this is not happening right now. And I, was, <laughs> I started just like, I'm not changing the channel. And I'm watching it and watching it, and surely enough, Gustav Sven- Svensson heads it for the third goal. And I was like, freaking Seattle. They had 24 shots, Josh, 20. Four. That's like a hockey amount. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they had 24 shots compared to Minnesota seven. And 25 of those shots for of the 24 were on target. Which is the same amount of shots on target for Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, 64% possession. Um, yada, yada, yada. But what? Uh, uh, I mean, I don't dislike Seattle, but sometimes they just remind they're like a Patriots in the MLS. Mm-hmm. Like they're right. always they're always there in the end, which I mean, props to them. But I was like, man, I really want to see Seattle. It's their fourth year, I think, in Minnesota. M- yeah. Is that what yeah. I what did I say? You said Seattle. OK, you know what I meant? Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, um, <laughs> it's their fourth year in the league. And, you know, you always want to see a, you know, have like a feel good team make it make it that far and they just came up short and i'm pretty sure the the um the goalie for minnesota is full-time with a usl team 
So he's like the backup to the backup. <laughs> that's what they that's what they were talking about. So mm-hmm. he was so so upset at the end of the race. He like you know takes his gloves off. He's just uh he looks so gutted. I was like, oh man, that just sucks. I'm really glad I watched the game. I wasn't planning on watching it. And I was like, oh, it's on. Sports. I'll watch some sports. <laughs> and so it's going to be Columbus and Seattle. I guess I'll go for Columbus, but I think I'll go for Seattle. I don't know. Wait, what? After <laughs> <laughs> all, well, Columbus, Columbus is essentially going to be, I guess Cincinnati is more of a rival team to Nashville. That's where I'm, yeah. that's where I'm coming at here. That's right. my, that's my angle. But but I love Seattle as a city, but Columbus is cool too, but I don't love it as much. I mean, I'll just watch it for a good game. I was <laughs> I was a crew fan growing up um, when I, I paid a bit more attention um, to, because, to, you know, they had they had Brian McBride and I was a huge Brian McBride fan. So um, so I'll be I'll be pulling for Columbus, especially if kind of their story with almost on multiple occasions moved away being moved away and the fans have pretty much kept them in existence and that is uh, true so I'll, I'll be pulling for them but yeah i was really hoping minnesota would would advance to the final um i didn't watch the game because i was watching my bills lay a beat down on the 49ers last night but it was uh definitely definitely sad to see but i mean yeah seattle absolutely deserves it um and but yeah definitely going for the crew their last or their only mls title came back in 2008 which was before the sounders were even in the league and the sounders already have two championships so we don't need them to add a third go crew yeah Uh, there you you go (laughs) and then uh some uh champions league is kind of reaching its final uh it's ending the group stage with a last set of games i think there's uh, four groups coming to a, a conclusion tomorrow. And so you have uh, with groups A through D, um, groups E through H are settled. Uh, I think there's one game that could, where the first and second seed could flip. But Chelsea and Sevilla, Dortmund, Lazio, Juventus, and Barcelona are both through. Which Juventus, did you see uh, uh, McKenney's goal today? Today? No, I did not. Yes. Oh, my goodness. You need to look that up right now. It is gorgeous. They beat Barca 3-0, and two of the goals were Ronaldo um, penalty kicks, which is is boring. But McKinney pulled this nice little pass out to the wing, and then it was chipped right back to him in the box, and he pulled this side volley with authority into the the net. I'm watching it right now. Oh! <laughs> that was so dirty. <laughs> oh. Such a such a wonderful goal. I got um, I got I gotta rewatch that. Yeah. <laughs> oh how do you do that? What the heck? I'm so sorry for everyone. I'm pretty sure we clipped your speakers terribly. Well, oh. that was a, a live reaction you guys just got, you know. Not we don't we don't do live tweets here. We do live reactions of oh, Nick washing oh goals. Gosh, I might have to, <laughs> I might have to put that audio into this so people can hear it. Oh my word, that was amazing! Whew. Yep, you're welcome. World. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, just more 
yeah for american soccer like the future is gonna be fantastic um but yeah still some good stuff to go um for group a Bayern munich's through um atletico and rb salzburg are gonna have a a battle for the final spot coming up tomorrow group b can anybody still has a chance to advance uh group c's finished with man city and porto both being through um, and uh-huh. Group D, Liverpool's through, but Ajax and Atalanta have a battle for the final spot. Uh, three of the four Premier League teams getting through. Man United got ousted, which uh, none of us are too sad to see. Nope. So. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. But yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think I, at this point, I would prefer City just get a Champions League win and just finish in the top four in the Premier League. As long as Pep is there, I want Pep to get a Champions League win with City. Otherwise, it would be the only team he's managed to not get a Champions League mm. win. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Barca definitely. Um Bayern obviously. He coached somebody else before that. Did he did he coach Juve? Maybe. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember. But anyway, EPL um our boys, I'm sitting in seventh. You're sitting in ninth. But in an ugly, ugly ninth, Everton has been so bad. Draw, loss, um, win, loss, loss. Yeah, and it's it's to bad teams that they're, you know, they drew with Burnley. Yeah, that's bad. That's that's a bad one. Um, yeah. You know, the, the loss to Leeds United isn't a bad loss. Um, there's a lot of back and forth, but the, the draw with Burnley... Um, that's that's a tough one to swallow. Barely beaten Fulham, uh, so you know it was one of those things where we enjoyed those first seven games of the season between league and tournament play, and uh, now the Everton of old is has has <laughs> returned. So it's like, eh, is what it is. He sounds so <laughs> sad, so defeated. <laughs> yeah, as it is, it's another year as an Everton fan. You know, yeah. it just kind of it goes that way. Hey, as long as you're in the mid table. That's all you can ask for sometimes. <laughs> right. <laughs> but Southampton's going to go to the um, Europa League if the season ends right now. <laughs> yeah. There's there's going to be a lot of movement between now and the end of the season. Oh, I think, we have still. so much time. So yeah. much. Plus, Christmas is right around the corner, which means games on games on games. Hopefully. <laughs> right. Hopefully. <laughs> right. Uh, but that's kind of it. Anything else you want to ramble about? Um. I'm trying to think if there was anything and I, I I don't can't think of anything now. Um, I'm just ready for the return of hockey. Um, you know, thrilled with the bills getting to you to nine and three, um, probably should be 10 and two, but if Easily. not for the hail Murray, yeah. <laughs> um, dude, that was so, a beautiful throw. Was it was, <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, looking forward to, to next week where you got bill Steelers should be, uh, another good one. Um, Hopefully Washington football team can keep doing good, but yeah, it's a good, it's a good time, but I'm ready for, for hockey to be back. So a mm-hmm. little over a month out. Can't wait. Yeah. Going to be, going to be so good. I got a new Preds, uh, sweatshirt from Costco. It's the one that you Sweet. and I always talked about. It has the little drawstrings at the, at the top, you know, uh-huh. like you could tie it or whatever. Yeah. Um, I find it was like 35 bucks. I was like, I'm buying this. <laughs> it's so comfortable it's like my most comfortable hoodie so yeah bring on uh hockey season i'm definitely ready for it as well and yeah we'll uh, we'll be here next week we'll talk about abu dhabi and anything else random and then it's off to christmas and new year's yep so with that i'm nick 
And I'm Josh. And we will talk to you guys later. Bye.